This is Ruth, well- welcoming you to the 2367th edition of Enfield's Talking Newspaper. The readers this week are Ian, Morna, Chris and Ruth, with another Ian on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by Team D this week. Our title music is The Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Ferdinand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we'll be reading come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning November 20th, 2023, the sunrise time is 7.26 and the sunset time is 16.04. We also have some special notices this week from the Enfield Talking newspaper. This will be the last normal recording of 2023. However, there will be two festive recording, recordings during December. Please do get in touch with us to share some of your own news and special announcements. We do love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899854582. She is your listener's representative and will be really pleased to help you. Now, Ian will read the lead story. Schoolgirls poster chosen to promote appeal. An Enfield schoolgirls design for a poster to promote the annual Metropolitan Police Christmas tree appeal has been picked ahead of hundreds of other entries across London. The appeal was launched yesterday, Tuesday the 21st of November, to ensure thousands of children in London who may otherwise go without a gift wake up to one on Christmas Day. At the launch last night... Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Mark Rowley was joined by 11-year-old Alicia Mungaley to switch on the lights of the Christmas tree outside New Scotland Yard, officially kicking off the campaign. Alicia is a pupil at St Mary's Roman Catholic Primary School in Ponders End and was chosen the winner of a competition to design the poster for this year's campaign. Since the annual appeal first began in 2011, generous donations from members of the public has meant more than 150,000 children have woken up to a gift under their tree. Last year, presents were bought for over 16,000 children in London. This year, the Met Police is again working with the Childhood Trust to encourage even more people to purchase presents or donate money to the campaign. Inspector Colin Reid said, While Christmas is a time of joy for many, for children living in poverty in London, this period can be particularly difficult. This year, working with the Childhood Trust, we are hoping to deliver presents to thousands of children in London so that they can feel joy on Christmas morning. Lauren Guinness, Chief Executive of the Childhood Trust, added, More than ever before, children in the care system need our support this Christmas. There are thousands of children dreading the festive period because they know they won't receive a gift or have a family around them to celebrate with. We hope that Londoners will reach out by generously gifting a present or a donation and to bring joy to vulnerable and disadvantaged child this Christmas. Anne, 80, Collecting Supplies for Ukraine. Pensioner turns home into collection centre. Free and Barnet resident Anne Makievitz has become a very busy 80-year-old. She's pledged to collect humanitarian aid for the millions of displaced people and bombed-out communities in Ukraine. 
Appalled by the suffering caused by the Russian invasion, she's turned her home into a collection center for Barnet-based organization Driving Aid to Ukraine. Anne will arrange the collection or accept delivery of a huge variety of items, including any lightly used clothing, blankets and bedding, new toiletries, medical aids and building tools. With Ukraine's punishing cold winter on its way, anything warm is especially welcome. The full list of items can be found on their website, drivingaidtoukraine.org. Driving Aid to Ukraine is the brainchild of Finchley resident Michael Byrne, whose career, spanning many roles in delivering healthcare, both in and out of the NHS, provided him with the skill sets to organise aid. We now have delivered over 200 tonnes of vital humanitarian aid over 18 journeys, confirmed Michael, who was busy coordinating the last transport on November the 18th. Such is DATU's reputation for speed and logistics, they have now created partnerships with other countries, including France and Italy, to help them deliver goods too. For any queries or to arrange to donate, Anne can be contacted by email annemack at btinternet.com that's A-N-N-E-M-A-C-K or 0755-196-117 Cyclists call for safer roads. Campaigners reveal most dangerous junctions for bikes and pedestrians. Campaigners have called for more road safety improvements after research revealed the most dangerous junctions in Enfield. Figures produced by London Cycling Campaign using the latest emergency services response data have been used to create an interactive map showing the most dangerous junctions for pedestrians and cyclists. It shows the most dangerous junction for cycling in the borough is Angel Corner, Edmonton, where there were five collisions involving bikes and vehicles during the past five years. The most dangerous for pedestrians is Ridgeway and Draper's Road, EN2, where there was one fatality and four collisions during the past five years. London-wide figures show the most dangerous junction in the capital for cyclists is on Upper Tooting Road in Wandsworth, while for pedestrians it is on High Street in Southall, Ealing. Enfield Council and Transport for London have rolled out a number of schemes designed to boost safety, including an extensive network of cycle lanes. But the campaigners say there is still more to be done, and safer junction design is one of the key methods of reducing road danger and enabling more people to walk and cycle comfortably and safely. Adrian Day, coordinator of Enfield Cycling Campaign and Better Streets for Enfield, said, Enfield has made some great strides in providing active travel infrastructure in recent years. But there's still many junctions where people on bikes, people walking and people wheeling take their life in their hands. For too long, vehicles have had priority at these junctions. We want to see safer, better designed junctions that put people, not vehicles, first. Angel Corner is where 4th Street and Angel Road, 
the A406 North Circular intersect. Because this is an A road, TFL is responsible for management. A spokesman for TFL said, any death or serious injury on the roads is one too many and we are determined to end the devastating consequences of road danger by working with London boroughs to make roads safer, including at junctions. We have reduced danger at 44 junctions across London as part of our Safer Junctions programme, and we continue to work on designs for a significant number of further locations, in collaboration with our partners in the London boroughs, including many of those highlighted by this data. We welcome London Cycling Campaign's research and it will be working closely with campaigners, councillors and local communities across the capital on our investment in new infrastructure over the coming years. Aside from A-Roads, Enfield Council is responsible for most other roads in the borough. It did not respond to a request for comment. The interactive map showing the most dangerous road junctions in London, which can be filtered to show the results for each borough, is available at icc.org.uk forward slash junctions. A local rugby story now. Ever-improving Ignatians show more fight. Enfield Ignatians delivered a much-improved performance and a losing bonus point despite a loss at Old Streetonians. The 11-5 reverse was the sixth in a row for the Donkey Lane Rugby Club in Counties 1 Hearts Middlesex, but they made the fifth-place side work all the way. Given the impetus provided by the pack in a wholehearted defensive effort and the sterling service provided by the halfbacks Daniel Shaw and Jack Wilson, they had plenty of go forward in the first half. Man of the match Shaw, Ethan Rennie and Lucas Yoxall were prominent, but Enfield were unable to grab any points. However, their defensive resolve was the most heartening aspect of their performance with points at a premium. Ignatian successfully denied their opponents attacking momentum at the breakdown with an impressive work rate and tackle count as the scoreline remained blank at half-time. Head coach Jack Wilson exhorted his troops to kick in on the second period but a mobile old street began to stretch the hosts at every opportunity. Ignatians rarely buckled under fierce pressure as they continued to put their bodies on the line and secure vital turnovers, but something had to give and the visitors broke the stalemate via a drop-kicked penalty. Another kick was missed from in front of the posts, but the visitors kept upping the pressure and from a position close to the Ignatians' line, they moved from one side of the field to the other for five points. Ignatians got back on the front foot and followed up one dangerous attack with another, moving the ball from the point of contact to the locating space out wide for Sam Hatchett to claim his first try for the club after six years away from the game. A second, second penalty made the game safe for the visitors, but the Enfield coach was still happy. Wilson said, 
We've had a good couple of training sessions and the try we scored was a result of the structured play we have been working on. It was a big improvement on the previous displays and hopefully this will act as a template for the team moving forward. Toxic fume fears as pipes collapse. Residents in flats report health problems. Residents of a Highgate council estate say they are living in fear of toxic gases entering their homes from blocked and collapsing drains. Several residents of the Hillcrest estate off North Hill have reported being affected by health problems, including severe headaches, fatigue and burning sensations in the nose and throat following exposure to strong fumes entering their flats. They believe the symptoms are linked to exposure to volatile organic compounds, VOCs, some of which are dangerous to human health and can cause cancer. According to a survey produced by the Highgate Society and local Liberal Democrat councillor Scott Emery on behalf of more than a dozen residents, evidence suggests that the chemical contamination is being caused by disintegrating and collapsing pipes resulting from Haringey Council's failure to carry out routine inspections and maintenance. In response, the council has recently carried out an inspection and has said work will get underway quickly on any necessary repairs. However, the Highgate Society's report states the council was alerted to the problems in January but has since failed to take any substantive action. Residents also criticise the authorities' reference to an unpleasant smell as a failure to understand the severity of the problems they face. Symptoms reported by residents quoted in the report include severe headaches, numb and tingling lips, burning sensations in the nose and throat, confusion and disorientation, strange tastes, breathing difficulties and heart palpitations. The health complaints recently prompted a local GP to write to the council, asking for the matter to be looked into with some urgency. One resident, who did not wish to be identified, told the local democracy reporting service that the experience was worse than living in a horror film. The Highgate Society report states that devices in one flat have regularly detected very high levels of VOCs, which are present in sewer gas and can be odourless. It adds that these compounds are in many cases carcinogenic and can be explosive. Four blocks on the estate, Mountbatten House... Dalding House, Cunningham House and Alexander House are said to have experienced raw sewage bubbling up, pooling and flooding outside the buildings. And now, a letter about voting reform from David Brown, the coordinator for Make Votes Matter, North London. Dear Enfield Dispatch, Last year's Labour Party conference overwhelmingly voted to adopt a proportional representation system in which the share of seats in Parliament match the share of votes for general elections. This year, Labour's National Policy Forum stated, The flaws in the current voting system are contributing to the distrust and alienation we see in politics. When new assemblies were introduced in Scotland, Wales and London, the Labour government opted to use proportional representation for their elections. Enfield Southgate MP, Bambos Sharalambos himself, says, It works very well. People understand it and it delivers good government in all those regions. Our Westminster Parliament needs it too. The time is now. Barrowwell, not Sir Green. A letter from Anne Jones. Dear Enfield Dispatch, At Barrowwell Green, our only recycling centre in Enfield Borough, 
the staff have been telling residents for some time to put hard plastics in the general waste containers as their plastic recycling container is full. Anything put in general waste gets burnt at the Edmonton incinerator and burning plastics releases extremely toxic pollutants on our neighbours in Edmonton and elsewhere depending on how the wind blows. I asked to see the plastics recycling container at Barrowell Green and was shown a small, unmarked bin. It was tied shut and appeared not to have been emptied for weeks. When I asked Enfield Council about the size and frequency of emptying of this bin, they replied that the bin, quote, was previously being used for a past project, unquote. A gobbledygook for please stop asking questions. I was pleased that the council did then promise that a 40-yard container for plastics recycling would be installed, quote, soon, unquote. Let's hope... Soon means soon. Switching on festive lights across Enfield. Three events bringing Christmas cheer across the borough. It might be more than a month before Santa comes to visit, but Christmas is about to begin in Enfield. Three light switch-on events are planned in the coming weeks, as well as a seasonal drama productions for families to enjoy. Enfield Mayor Councillor Suna Herman will be switching on the lights in Palmer's Green Town Centre alongside school children on November 23rd. She will then be switching on the Christmas tree lights on Fountain Island in Enfield Town at a special Christmas parade of lights on Sunday, December 3rd. The three free event in the marketplace will host a mini fun fair, an exhibition of vehicles from White Webb's Motor Museum, stalls from local community groups and music on the bandstand. A fireworks display sponsored by Pearson's as a part of their 120th birthday celebrations will take place at 5.45pm. The display will be conducted by the Enfield Scout Firework Team. In Upper Edmonton, Enfield Council's award-winning affordable workplace scheme, Angel Yard, will be hosting a community tree lighting event with partners Launch It. Young entrepreneurs and local small businesses will join the celebrations on November 23rd, which will include a choir, gift hunting at Angel Yard shops and mince pies. Enfield Council's Councillor for Public Spaces, Culture and Local Economy said, I would encourage everyone to come and take a look at their local town centre and, of course, support your local businesses if you're looking to start your Christmas shopping. Dugdale Art Centres in Enfield will be hosting several seasonal productions, including A Winter Tale, a fun, festive show by local theatre group Chicken Shed from November 26th to December 13th. The Magic Lamp, a boy who has a lamp-dwelling genie at his disposal, December 19th to 23rd. And King of Nothing, a puppet show with songs, slapstick and more for children and adults, December 27th to the 30th. Full Christmas light switch-on programme is as follows. Enfield Town, November 23rd, with an official event on December 3rd. Palmer's Green in Edmonton, November 23rd. Cockfosters, Ponders End, Southgate and Winchmore Hill, 
December 4th. Stroke support. Our research highlights people still think a stroke only affects older people. It is crucial we challenge this misconception and make people aware that stroke affects young adults too. Stroke simply shouldn't be a key milestone in a young adult's life. When planning for the future, no one prepares to have a stroke. And yet one in four strokes happen to people of working age and around 400 children a year have a stroke in the UK every year. After a stroke, life changes in a flash. Two-thirds of people who survive a stroke find themselves living with a disability. As a result, young stroke survivors are having important milestones and their planned futures stolen from them while they have to learn to adapt to their new life affected by stroke. At the Stroke Association, we know the value of life after stroke support, know the value life after stroke support plays in rebuilding lives. A stroke doesn't have to stop you doing the things you want to do. The Stroke Association provides support that covers every aspect of a survivor's recovery, so you are not just living to survive, but able to live life again. If you know a stroke survivor of any age, visit stroke.org.uk slash World Stroke Day to find out more about the support available and ensure they don't miss out on important life milestones. To find out if there are any of our services are available in your area, you can use our search tool or call the Stroke Helpline on 0303 Blaze engulfs shops and homes. Police are investigating a fire that engulfed the ground floor of shops and homes next to a major road. London Fire Brigade was called at 7.55pm on November 19th to the North Circular Road in Arnos Grove after fire broke out in a two-storey building. Eight fire engines and around 60 firefighters were sent to the scene and continued to tackle the fire into the night. A fire brigade spokesman said the ground floor and staircase of a two-storey building made up of shops and homes was destroyed. The fire service used one of its 32mm turntable ladders as an observation tower. The fire was brought under control by 12.37am. The cause is being investigated by the brigade and the Metropolitan Police. The incident caused significant traffic delays for drivers travelling eastbound on the A406 North Circular Road between the junctions of Bounds Green Road and Powys Lane. The fire brigade advised motorists to find alternative routes while emergency services were at the scene. Fire crews from Southgate, Finchley, Hornsey, Tottenham and surrounding fire stations were all at the scene. Nearly £70,000 owed to Enfield Council. Four park cafes were closed in September and legal action to recover the lost money is now being taken. The former operator of four park cafes across Enfield owed tens of thousands of pounds in rent to Enfield Council when they were forced to close two months ago. The cafes at Trent Park, Whitewebs Park, Town Park and Oakwood Park all closed on the same September day when enforcement action was taken against the leaseholders following a, quote, contract breach, unquote. Although four different companies were shown running the four cafes, 
Company's house records show they were run by the same person, Osgur Celebi. A Freedom of Information Act request to Enfield Council has now revealed that the total rent owned by Celebi's companies to the Civic Centre was £69,541.51. In the case of Whitewebs Cafe, the amount owed was £32,499.87, which the dispatch understands was roughly equivalent to three years of rent. At Town Park, the rent owed was £18,375. At Oakwood Park, it was £13,249.98. And at Trent Park, it was £5,416.66. Questions are now being asked about why this level of debt was allowed to accumulate before the council took action. Edward Smith, a Conservative councillor and the opposition group's spokesman for Parks, told the dispatch, I supported the council's action to close the cafes, but I was not happy about how long it had taken. The issue of unpaid rent had been allowed to run for some considerable time. Councillor Smith said there had been, quote, a lot of churn, unquote, in senior jobs at the Civic Centre, but the new officer in charge of parks at the council has taken strong action. That was better late than never. The Ridgeway councillor added, these park facilities are very popular and we don't want to lose them, but they have to be run properly. We want new operators as soon as possible. Last month, the council issued invitations to tender to run the existing park cafes while also inviting caterers to submit business proposals for brand new cafes at Jubilee Park and Pims Park in Edmonton plus Enfield playing fields. A council spokesman said, quote, Enfield Council will always do all it can to support local businesses and we will work with them at times of difficulty to ensure contractual services continue to be delivered and so that there is a workable plan for them to pay their rent. This has included the period during the COVID-19 pandemic. However, we also have a responsibility to our residents and taxpayers, which is why we have taken the necessary legal steps to recover the money owed to the council. In this case, Enfield Council has taken the necessary steps at the appropriate time. Osgur Shalebi could not be reached for comment. Soap Shop starts collection for Enfield Women's Centre. Shoppers at the body shop in Enfield Town can now donate directly to the local charity. Enfield Women's Centre is now receiving donations directly from shoppers at a popular soap retailer in Enfield Town. 
The Body Shop supports women who have experienced trauma such as violence, assault and financial deprivation and its Enfield branch manager recently met Barbara Lafleur and Laurie Dengel from Enfield Women's Centre to offer help. Aifa Kukubalahan, manager of the body shop in Palace Garden Shopping Centre, has now set up a donation point to encourage customers to donate goods that will be passed to Enfield Women's Centre for the women they support. Ginny Landon from Enfield's Women's Centre said, These are women from a range of backgrounds, generally referred directly to us via the centre through various professionals such as social services or the NHS for direct support following trauma. Generally the women go without while they fight for their families so it is good to be able to offer them a much needed pick-me-up and validation that they are worthwhile. These gifts from the Body Shop's customers are a wonderful way of showing women and girls who have been worn down that people care and that they matter. Enfield Women's Centre is a charity based in Derby Road, Ponders End. For more information, email ginny at enfieldwomen.org.uk. Hearing to be held into police shooting. Officer faces misconduct panel over killing. A firearms officer who killed a 28-year-old during an attempted prison breakout will face a misconduct hearing as soon as possible, the Metropolitan Police has said. The officer, named only as W80, shot Jermaine Baker from Tottenham as officers stopped a plot to snatch two prisoners from a van near Woodgreen Crown Court in December 2015. Prosecutors said in 2017 there, were ins- there was insufficient evidence to bring criminal charges over the shooting, but the Independent Office for Police Contact, IOPC, directed that the officer should face misconduct proceedings. This sparked a lengthy legal battle between the IOPC and the officer, who was supported by the Met. In July this year, the Supreme Court ruled in the IOPC's favour. On Monday, the Metropolitan Police said that the misconduct hearing will take place, but rejected the watchdog's suggestion another force should run proceedings. Instead, a member of the hearing panel, which will be chaired by an independent lawyer, will be from, will be from another force. The Met said, given that these events took place eight years ago and the ongoing process of investigation and inquiry has had a significant impact on all concerned, it is in everyone's interest that we proceed to the misconduct hearing and conclude this matter at the earliest opportunity. We have also considered the IOPC request that we ask another force to hold the hearing. Our position remains that we do not accept the Met's objections to the IOPC's earlier direction to hold a gross misconduct hearing or our wider call for support and legal reassurance for armed officers impinges upon our independence nor the impartiality of the misconduct hearing process. The hearing arrangements for W80 will be made by the Met. However, the police panel member will be from another force and the hearing led by an independent legally qualified chair. Arrangements are now being made for the hearing to proceed as soon as possible. It is said the length of time being taken to resolve the case, in part due to the legal battle involving the force, shows the need for a government review of how firearm officers are held to account when they kill someone. And now for a peek inside Sister Venue of Iconic Piccadilly Restaurant. 
An iconic West End restaurant has just opened a sister venue in the city that is as exquisite as the original. The Woolsey City opened this month on King William Street and is every bit as luxurious as the original Woolsey on Piccadilly. Just look at the photos. Open from breakfast to late, the new all-day dining city hotspot aims not to replicate its Piccadilly sibling, but rather be its own venture done in the same glamorous style and in the same high standards as the first. Found just near Monument Square, the newer restaurant is larger than the first, with two private dining rooms and two vast bar spaces. The magnificent interiors draw inspiration from the original architecture of the 160 Piccadilly venue and have been created by London-based Fabled Studio. Inside, you'll find subtle details throughout the space which echo the original, including a layer of Baroque ironwork along the vaulted windows and a reimagining of the well-recognised symmetrical vista with a central horseshoe banquette. There's also eye-catching starburst pattern flooring. Food-wise, the restaurant pays tribute to its heritage in fine hospitality and European grand cafe culture. Head chef Edward Ross has created a menu of fine classics. Think schnitzel, steak tartare, treacle-cured bacon chops with a double-fried egg and coco van. There will also be a large selection of raw seafood to feast on too. The breakfast menu is equally classical with eggs royale, hedgerie and a poached egg and sausage and egg hash brown. Outside of meals, the selection of traditional cakes are great snacking and the bar has an extensive wine and cocktail list for soirees that extend into the night. The restaurant is overseen by the Woolsey Hospitality Group, which was previously the Corbin and King Fine Dining Restaurant Empire, founded by Jeremy King. King has announced he will reopen the West End Grand Dame of Restaurants, Simpsons, in the Strand in 2024. The Woolsey City is now open. Find the restaurant at 68 King William Street, City EC4N7HR, and for more information, visit thewolseycity.com. I'm on my way. That sounds absolutely delicious, doesn't it? Another letter. This one about pharmacies from Malcolm Sleeth. Dear Enfield Dispatch, when COVID-19 hit, many people switched to online services for collecting prescriptions. My local pharmacy lost 30% of its regular users at that time and, so far, few have come back. But perhaps they should. What most people over 60 don't realise is that they are entitled to free delivery from their pharmacy. My local pharmacy goes further and doesn't charge anyone, whatever their age. They cover a surprisingly wide area, and it's usually the same driver who comes to your door. So why not ask? It's obvious that we have a crisis with GP surgeries and there is no sign of a magical improvement arriving soon. Contacting your pharmacist can be a lot easier and quicker than getting a response from your local surgery and you are guaranteed a face-to-face consultation just by walking in. But they also run independent businesses and can only continue if we support them. Festivities at the Tower 
Visitors are invited to soak up the Christmas cheer at the Tower of London as the customs and spectacle of coronations past inspire a decorative display at the iconic palace and fortress. Running daily from November the 29th to January the 3rd, the nearly 1,000-year-old tower will be decked out with royal regalia, magnificent Christmas trees and glittering jewels to celebrate the festive season. For more information and to book, visit hrp.org.uk and Grotto Pop-Up. A fast food brand is hosting a pop-up grotto in central London for one weekend. Running on Friday and Saturday, November 24th and 25th in Hanover Square, just off Oxford Circus, Leon's Noel Festive Grotto will be filled with entertainment for family and friends and foodies between noon and four. The Secret Santa Prize Wheel will run throughout the pop-up, giving everyone who spins the wheel a chance to win a festive prize. Concern raised over heat network future. Council set to agree 12 million loan for scheme. Residents have raised concerns over the long-term sustainability of Enfield Council's district heat network, as the Civic Centre looks to prove another 12 million loan for the scheme. The 23-kilometre, 14-mile network of pipes being installed by council-owned company Energetic is designed to transport excess heat from the incinerator at Edmonton Eco Park to thousands of homes across the borough. However, the scheme requires significant upfront investment, and a council report published on October the 18th recommended issuing a further loan of £11.86 million to fund installation work for the eastern part of the network between Meridian Water and Ponders End. The Civic Centre is set to pay £20,000 interest over the lifetime of the loan, which matures in 2048. The loan will help fund the ongoing roadworks which are enabling Energetic to lay heat pipes under Hartford Road through Edmonton and Ponders End, which began this summer. The report also reveals that the Council has so far lent Energetic £35 million to help achieve its aims of delivering low-cost, low-carbon energy to residents. But with Civic Centre facing mounting financial pressure... Residents warned over the long-term financial risks of the scheme and whether bills would rise in the long term. Anna Eager, Head of Stakeholder Engagement at Energetic, told a meeting of Enfield Over 50s Forum last week that the network was designed to reduce fuel poverty as well as slash carbon emissions. She said leaseholders connected to the network currently pay around two-thirds of what they would pay for gas heating, while tenants pay even less. Customers are getting a much better deal than they would be in the rest of the market, Anna added. Since Energetic was set up in 2015, the council has faced ongoing cuts to its budget. Now, under increasing pressure from inflation and facing a £39 million budget gap next year, it is poised to make further spending cuts over the coming months. During the meeting, residents raised concerns about the long-term future of the Energetic project. One resident asked about the impact of dwindling council finances on customers' bills and pointed out that some local authorities are selling off key assets, increasing the cost to residents. However, in Edmonton, the government is awarding a grant of £12 to support Angel Edmonton Town Centre, 
and this is the first time Enfield Borough has received any money from the Conservative government's flagship Leveling Up Fund. The government has awarded nearly £12 million to support town centre improvements in Angel Edmonton as part of the latest round of Leveling Up funding, the first time Enfield Council has been successful. Recipients of a share of £1 billion in government cash as part of the third round of money dished out by the government's Leveling Up Fund were announced yesterday, Monday the 20th, which wasn't yesterday, by Secretary of State for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, Michael Gove. Despite failing in its initial bid for Angel Edmonton as part of round two, Enfield Council was this week awarded £11.9 million to provide better places for business, community facilities and to enhance the cultural offering. Local authorities were asked to submit bids for cash at the start of the year, with Enfield now being revealed as one of only two London boroughs receiving funding from this third round. A total of 55 transformational projects were successful in total. London was awarded £30 million from the £1 billion funding pot this time round, while Yorkshire and the Humber got £169 million and the Midlands got £171 million. Enfield Council says that the £11.9 million for Angel Edmonton will be used to build on the hard work already being done to improve the area, thanks to funding from City Hall, with projects such as Angel Yard, where 35 new business units have been created for local young entrepreneurs. Leader Neshel Kaliskan says, We are investing in Upper Edmonton to increase opportunities for our residents, particularly for younger people, and to create an area that people are proud to be part of. This funding award will build on the hard work of this council to transform one of the more deprived areas in the country and bring about real change. While we were disappointed that this funding did not come earlier in January's funding round, we will waste no time in getting our plans into action. This will include job creation, skills and training, creating a better environment for leisure and well-being, and investing in the local economy. The final scope of the works to be paid for by the levelling up money will be reviewed and developed in the coming weeks and delivery is expected by March 2026. Gove said, Levelling up means delivering local people's priorities and bringing transformational change into communities that have for too long been overlooked and undervalued. Today we are backing 55 projects across the UK with £1 billion to create new jobs and opportunities, power economic growth and revitalise local areas. This funding sits alongside our wider initiatives to spread growth through devolving more money and power out of Westminster to towns and cities, putting in place bespoke interventions to places that need it most and our long-term plan for towns. Good news indeed. And this sounds an exciting place to go to. Pop up! Winter Roller Rink, where you can meet Santa. The Troubadour Theatre will be playing host to a pop-up roller rink. Taylor Swift may have just announced more Wembley dates next summer, but fans can get in the mood early with Swift on Skates sessions at the area's newest attraction. Rollerscape is popping up at the Troubadour Theatre across the Christmas period, with organisers promising a, quote, festive alpine wonderland roller rink experience, unquote. It opens on November 24th, 
a stone's throw from the stadium, where Swift will be playing her epic The Eras Tour. Punters can toast marshmallows over a fire pit and drink boozy hot chocolate on a heated outdoor terrace with alpine cabins or skate beneath glitter balls with specials including Skate with Santa on Sundays in December and Sunday night Swift on Skate sessions with DJs pumping out the pop icons hits back to back. A winter hall features a giant Christmas tree and Santa's sleigh photo opportunity. And there's a second indoor bar, cosy seating options and retro decor such as glitter curtains and neon throughout. Neon nights will glow up the rink with a DJ every Saturday. And Fix 8 runs on selected Tuesdays, combining fun and fitness with a great atmosphere for skaters to practice and socialise. There are also classic club nights across the musical spectrum and skate school for all ages. After working up an appetite under the disco balls, they can indulge in après skate, tucking into the likes of buttermilk chicken wings, loaded nachos, pizzas, hot dogs and burgers. Produced by Wembley Park Theatre, the six-day-a-week rink will run until March 16th and comes ahead of another roller skating spectacular at the Wembley Theatre. Next June, the venue will be converted into the Starlight Auditorium for an immersive revival of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Starlight Express, which is famously performed on roller skates. Two-hour Just Skate sessions at Rollerscape cost £14 for adults off-peak and £6 for a child, rising to 16 at peak times and 8 for children with two four one Wednesdays and family tickets also available. Sounds great. Enfield Drag Queen stars on Italian reality show. Queen of Enfield, Sissy Lee, who hails from Sicily, is performing on Drag Race Italia. An Enfield-based drag queen is taking part in an Italian reality show based on the popular RuPaul's Drag Race series. Sissy Lee has been a well-known performer around Enfield for many years and the drag name is a play on words that pay homage to her origins of Sicily, whilst also being a nod to her adoptive home near the River Lee. Sissy Lee is the creation of Massimo Maluzzo, known by many as the former owner of the popular Zippola coffee shop on Lancaster Road. The local drag star is now one of the contestants on Drag Star Italia. Massimo said, I first got into drag when I started watching the second season of the US version of Drag Race. Then, in 2016, my husband took me to a drag show in Spain and that's when I decided I wanted to become a drag queen myself. The first thing my husband and I did when we got back from that trip in 2016 was build a stage in our coffee shop. We were able to host the first ever drag show in Enfield. 
Sissy Lee started her career as a drag queen at the age of 40 and wants everyone to know that it is never too late to follow your dreams. Since then, Sissy Lee has entertained the Enfield community on several occasions, including a sold-out show at the Dugdale Theatre in 2019. And in 2021, she released her first pop single, Camouflage Veil. I'm a live singer, said Sissy Lee, and by singing, I mean I ruin your favourite songs. But I guarantee that you'll have the best night out at one of my shows. Sissy Lee is now competing for the crown on the new season of Drag Race Italia alongside 12 other drag queens. The season premiered on the 13th of October on Paramount+. Plus. To find out more about upcoming shows and appearances and to follow Sissy Lee, look on Facebook for Sissy Lee and Instagram is at sissylee.queen. Football. Town remain in pursuit of runaway league leaders. A thrilling game keeps Enfield on a high. Enfield Town and Hastings United produced a thrilling afternoon's entertainment for a good crowd, with the towners claiming three big points. Both sides were in form in the Isthmian League Premier Division, but Enfield came out on top with a 3-1 victory, moving them clear of Chatham Town and in second. It was a clinical edge in front of the goal that tipped the scales in the host's favour and made it four wins from five. Enfield boss Gavin McPherson said, We knew it would be a very difficult game because they're well drilled and pass the ball well. At times we had to think outside the box, so to speak, and we're not the finished article by any means. It wasn't vintage, but we've always got goals in us. Hastings and White were there for a reason, and they make you work very hard, especially when you're out of possession, and we needed to do our homework. I'm pleased as I have been in any game this season because we've produced a performance against a very good side. I have to pay tribute not only to the players, but all my management team. Almost 650 fans gathered in the Queen Elizabeth Stadium and they certainly got their money's worth. Rhys Foster was called into action early on, tipping over a speculative effort from Jack Bates and John Afoa was a particular threat down Hastings' left. The Enfield keeper then had to palm away an attempt from Kian Moynes, put through by a defence-splitting Bates pass. But slowly the focus moved to the other end of the field and the other goalkeeper, Charlie Granger. A string of town corners were repelled with one marvellous double save thrown in for good measure, but just as the interval loomed, Enfield found a way through. Rees Beckles Richards got it away through a ruck of players after a free kick from Ollie Knight had found its way to him. Hufua hit the bar in the opening moments of the second half and they were soon level, Moyles rolling the ball in. Parity lasted just five minutes. Granger had already made three superb stops when Marcus Wiley ran through unchecked to connect excellently with a Mickey parcel ball out of defence. It needed a third to put visitors to bed and it duly arrived on 64 minutes. Two hasting defenders got in each other's way, allowing Wiley to find Knight and set it into the left of the diving Granger. A block by substitute Lewis Taffy kept Hastings from pulling another back, but Enfield almost got a fourth when a Dylan Ajay Hersey effort cannoned up and over the bar. Wiley then broke free again, only for Granger to make an excellent stop. 
And finally, for a little bit of self-care with Every Mind Matters, make time to take care of your mental well-being. Staying fit, spending time in nature and taking time to talk to someone you trust can all help us to maintain our mental health and well-being. For Emmy Morimoto, singing alongside a hundred others in her local choir has its own special magic. There's a sense of community which is lovely, she says. If you don't show up, people might get in touch. Looking after our mental health and well-being is not something that we should just do when it's poor. It's something we can all take steps to maintain, just like our physical health. Walking, working long hours as a secondary school teacher led Emmy to work to seek out some activity to help her deal with the stress. Since joining the Barnet Choral Society in 2017, she's been rehearsing with them once a week. For about two hours, you're totally involved, she says. There's nothing quite like singing in a choir. She has since changed jobs and had a son who's age three, meaning that her singing also offers some precious downtime. I think it makes a huge difference to have something to look forward to that's mine during the week, adds Emmy, now a learning and development advisor. It's like exercise. Even if you're not in the mood, you go along and you forget all the other stuff you have on your plate. If you want to take steps to boost your mental health, but don't know where to begin, there are plenty of ways you can help yourself with simple actions that can lead to positive results without costing a penny. Taking the time to do one small thing each day for your mental health can help you feel a lot better. To get started, search Better Health Every Mind Matters, where you can find free simple things that might work for you, making them part of your daily routine and helping you tackle issues like anxiety, low mood and stress, as well as maintaining good mental well-being. Start finding your little big thing with these top tips. Move more, because being active is good for your mind as well as your physical health. Try an activity that is right for your physical abilities and you enjoy doing on a regular basis, whether that's an online yoga class, dancing around the home or short works in the fresh air. Manage your feelings. Sometimes we develop unhelpful patterns of thought that can lead to unhelpful behaviour. So recognising them and thinking about them differently can improve our mental well-being. Try the free practical self-help tips and techniques inspired by cognitive behavioural therapy at nhs.uk forward slash every hyphen mind hyphen matters. Talk about it. Talking to someone we trust about how we're feeling can help stop us from feeling lonely. Plus, sharing how you're feeling with friends or family will help them understand what you're going through and together you can explore solutions. Good quality sleep makes a big difference to how we feel mentally and physically. Every Mind Matters has tips for improving sleep including an email programme to help you develop good bedtime habits. Get closer to nature. Spending time in green spaces like parks or gardens can lift your mood and help you feel more relaxed. Bring nature into your life by tending to plants on a windowsill or balcony. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, head to nhs.uk slash talk to find your local NHS talking therapy service. Well, there we are, lovely listeners. We've reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you so much for listening. So from Team D, which is Ian, Mourna, Chris and Ruth, and the technical Ian on the controls, it's... Goodbye! But it's not goodnight. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. 
You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app. Or you can listen to us on your smart speaker by saying, Play Podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can also call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899854582. And just to remind you, this is the last edition of the regular Enfield Talking Newspaper for 2023. But do look out for the two festive editions that will be coming to you in December. 